0: All of It is supported by Mejuri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Mejuri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Mejuri.com slash All of It or use code ALL OF IT for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash All of It.
1: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
2: This is all of it. I'm Allison Stewart. The pioneering aerial photographer George Steinmetz has been capturing the world from above for 40 years, or should I say worlds. He's traveled to more than 100 countries and visited every continent. His work has been featured in National Geographic and the New York Times, and he's published in four previous books, including New York Air, The View from Above, 2015. His new book is a sweeping compilation of his most stunning images from around the globe called The Human Planet, Earth at the Dawn of the Anthropocene. Anthropocene, mm. Mm, tried, with text by award-winning science writer Andrew Revkin. But New Yorkers may have seen George Steinmetz's name in the news recently for another reason. His photography drone was confiscated by authorities after he flew it over Hart Island in the Northeast Bronx, which has been a graveyard for unclaimed dead since the 19th century. In recent weeks, it became a resting place for COVID-19 victims who were unidentified or whose families couldn't afford a funeral. The city's website explains the families may request a disinterment and reburial elsewhere if they confirm a loved one was buried on the island. And the Daily News reports the city will freeze bodies of coronavirus victims to minimize the burials there. Gothamist had reported that rates of the burial on the island had been almost five times more than usual. Steinmetz was flying his drone two weeks ago to capture images of the scene when he was approached by NYPD officers who confiscated the drone and charged him with a misdemeanor based on a 1948 law that limits aircraft takeoffs and landings in New York City airports. The story has put focus on how the city is handling casualties from the pandemic and how transparently it is doing so. George, welcome to All of It. Thank you. So what is it that you wanted to, to actually document? Why did you think it was important to fly your drone over Hart Island and take photos? Well,
1: I was working on a project with uh, CBS News to document how the city had changed under the pandemic. And I, after having documented the city extensively from the air, I thought Hart Island might be interesting because uh, I, I suspect there'd be a, an uptick in internments in there.
2: So in terms of... You have an FAA license. You're an experienced photojournalist. Did you anticipate pushback?
1: No, I didn't. I was really quite surprised. Um, I mean, I knew that uh, flying a drone is is generally illegal in New York City, but it's really not enforced outside of like the densely populated Mm -hmm. parts of Manhattan. And uh, the, the uh, place where I was operating the drone from was, is only about a half mile across the water from Heart Island, so there was really no risk to anyone in flying it. And it was just, a, it was the most um, practical way to uh, document what's going on there.
2: And the, the law that they cited, what was it the officer cited?
1: Uh, it's, it's a law against what they call avigation. Just is kind of an antiquated term. And I think it was actually designed so people couldn't, you know, like skydive into Central Park or land a biplane in Sheep's Meadow. And it, it makes it illegal to take off or land an aircraft uh, outside of a designated place like a like an airport or a seaplane port. Um, and then it was modified a few years ago to include, include drones.
2: Were you able to capture the images that you hoped to, to do the photojournalism you'd hoped to?
1: Well, I was actually just kind of getting warmed up. I um, when I arrived, it was early in the morning. I got there at sunrise, and uh, there was a, a news helicopter that was hovering low over the island, uh, a few hundred feet, um, which is really kind of obnoxious in the ground because of the the noise and the, the downdraft. And I waited until that had left before I I, I, um, I flew. But it was um, uh, I, I, did, I thought it was so early that they wouldn't uh, really have the you know, have the have the coffins out and may actually be burning. So it was really a a scout flight, and I was in the middle of that when they uh, came in and demanded I I land my drone and seized it.
2: Just, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Gothamist wrote, reported on this, and there's a very spirited discussion in the comments section with some people saying, yes, we should absolutely be allowed to see these photos. It's very important. And then a few people who thought it was disrespectful in some ways. How do you respond to the folks who think that perhaps it was disrespectful to try to take pictures?
1: Well, I I just don't, I really don't uh, sympathize with that point of view. Um, I mean, there are no, you, you, in the photo I took, you can't actually see any coffins. Um, and even if you could, there's no indication of, of who's in them. So if you had a, let's say a relative who, who died from COVID-19 and you didn't find the body, you know, they're buried there. I mean, th- my pictures not actually show your relative being buried. There's no way you don't. See, so I, I just don't see that. Um, and there are, there are over a million people buried on Hart Island, and, uh, and access is extremely limited.
2: My guest is Jorn Steinmetz. He is a fantastic photographer. You're an aerial photographer is mostly what people know your work from. How did you become an aerial photographer? Were you taking pictures before and just decided, I'm, I'm going to make this contraption that helps me get in the air? What, what made you decide that that was the point of view you wanted to take?
1: Um, well, I've been mean, a general assignment photographer for uh, National Geographic for over thirty years. And um, when you do a general c- coverage, you often have to do aerial photos, and that was always the most interesting, the most fun part of the assignment. Mm-hmm. And and um, and then I got an idea to do a story on the um, on the Central Sahara, and there were no uh, planes or helicopters to hire, and so I had to bring my own. And I learned how to fly a motorized paraglider, and I brought one and started flying in the Sahara. And I really fell in love with uh, piloting and taking pictures at the same time.
2: And it's really, if you want to go to Google after this interview and, and Google, George doing this, it's pretty spectacular to, to watch you take off and, and take these photos. You know, you mentioned in your TED Talk that your favorite altitude is between 200 and 500 feet to take pictures. What's best about that altitude?
1: Well, when you're down low like that, you, you see the world more three dimensionally. It's not like um, otherwise to me. It's like looking at a piece of carpet and cutting out a little piece of it. But when you get down low, you can you can see um, you can identify people. You can see. I mean, it's not just a car. You can see whether it's a you know it's a convertible or a, or a hardtop. You can you can kind of you see the world and it's much more relatable. But you can also see the background and context. And so I find that the most uh, interesting. Way to take aerial photographs. It's what I really love to do, and the the drone uh, is it's a really interesting technology because it lets me go a lot lower and be mm-hmm. quieter and less um, uh, less disturbing to what's going on on the ground. So it, it offers a very intimate uh, three dimensional aerial view.
2: Now you describe yourself as an accidental environmentalist. How so? Um,
1: well, when I started, um, uh, I, was, I was working in deserts. Um, I I was interested in looking at the the patterns of them and, and uh, the the forces that had formed them. I studied geology in college, and I found them uh, mm-hmm. fascinating, like the Earth with its living skin peeled away. Um, but as I traveled more and more, I, I started to see that the um, that the Earth was changing rapidly, and even these um, really uh, sterile, remote environments were being impacted by uh, by humanity. And I, I saw that. Um, that people needed to to know what was going on out there. And so I I'm not, don't really perceive myself as an activist, but I do want people to uh, understand the impacts we're having on our planet.
2: The name of your book is The Human Planet, Earth and the Dawn of the Anthropocene. What is it you wanted to accomplish with this work that you hadn't done with your other works, your other books?
1: Well, I, I think that we, we've gotten to kind of a, a, a tipping point where, where humans have become the the dominant uh, force in the planet, and I mean we've converted uh, like forty over forty percent of our land mass to, to agriculture, and um, you can't you can't fly over almost any part of the planet without seeing uh, the, the the mark of humanity. And we're now we've you know we're changing the climate. Um, you can find you know layers of, of 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 ash from industrial processes. All you know even in the remotest parts of Greenland. And, and so uh, we're having a profound effect on our planet. And I think we need to maybe rewrite the narrative of man versus nature to man with nature.
2: Could you describe one of the photos you think really gets at this in the book, one particular one?
1: Um, um, I mean, one of the most disturbing places I went was actually that was the Dead Sea in uh, on the israeli Jordanian border, where you can see the uh, the, the dead sea is dropping by, uh, by over three feet a year because all the water that used to flow into it is being extracted for human use. And this used to be the garden of Eden and you visit it now and there's virtually no topsoil. There's no water. It's, it, it's lifeless. And we're just, mm. um, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's a, the promised land was promised to too many people and we're just, you know, it, it's been overexploited. We're sucking the life out of it. And I think that's um, to a lesser extent, we're doing that to the rest of the planet, and I, I think we need to be more uh, aware of our impact.
2: And in our final minute, the book's captions and the text is written by science journalist Andrew Revkin. What perspective did he bring?
1: Well, it's quite remarkable. Andy and I are about the same age when we started out. Like you know, we were we were kids the first Earth Day happened, and neither of us are really kind of paying attention. Um, <laughs> but the, the Earth's population is, is is you know more than doubled since I was a kid. And you, you see that, that impact everywhere. And he and I, he was working for the Times. I was working for the Geographic. But we went to virtually the same places and came up with the same conclusions. Yeah. It was kind of a, a case of, you know, convergent evolution in thinking.
2: Did you get your drone back?
1: I have not gotten my drone <laughs> okay. back. And um, even, you know, I I, what I had, that. my experience was not a, a one-off incident. Um, uh-huh. There's P, NYPD is still stopping people from... Uh, flying over Heart Island or or for even photographing from the waterfront. And so there's something very odd there that they don't want people to see.
2: Hope you get your drone back. Stay on the case. George Steinmetz, thank you so much for joining us.
0: All of It is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has taken the guesswork out of gifting. Offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to mejuri.com slash allofit or use code allofit for 10% off your first order. That's mejuri.com slash allofit.